Tourette's. It's, 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 it's a tragic, uh, it's a tragic situation. <laughs> disease of the heart and mind and the. They must uh, wonder somehow how we got into this yeah. topic. Well, that's, that's the... part of the magic. Is it? <laughs> part, of the, part of the magic that we embrace weekly. <laughs> right, it be... certainly is the magic of our conversation. Right. Besides, it's 8.45 a.m. Saturday, February the 6th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane. I was wondering how long you were going to carry that one out. That well, note. it wasn't very stable. It was an unstable. Uh, so I was trying to establish stability, and it wasn't working. So I bailed. That's what. That's what happened. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It's a blustery. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Saturday morning, I've been watching the crows sail on the wind out my yeah, uh, my office window this morning, and uh, it's been quite a show. Are they struggling or having fun? No, they're having fun. They're, out okay, there. they're dancing on the wind, which is something that, you know, as humans, uh, we yearn for that kind of kite-like freedom, the untethered kite the flying wad of newspaper, the the sodden. Pardon me, I'm having another drink of coffee. Paper towel <laughs> that's been run over. <laughs> you boy. Three times in the parking lot. That's good coffee. And yet. That's what we lift off. Yes, yes. We dream of this. We dream of the of the freedom <laughs> of, a, of trash. <laughs> Before the, before the leaf blower guy comes along and gathers it all up and puts it into the <laughs> compost bin where we molder and cook until we return to the dust from whence we came. I don't know how that quite was dance, dancing in the wind. Well, I'm just saying that there's levels, there's layers of meaning and depth of metaphor when you're watching crows. So basically... <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is... So what you're saying is that we are the the sodden paper towel we're the ground... Dirt. We're the dirt. We're ground yeah. down into the parking lot. Right. And we have no opportunity other than being blown by oh. the leaf blower yeah, to ever fly dance on the, in the wind. Dance on the wind as is the that, crows do. But I don't think that that sodden paper towel ever does... Well, it's got to dry out eventually and then, oh, get, I see. and then get picked up by the leaf blower, which is, <laughs> you know, our version. Of we, and this you know, is the poetry we are the of big building. <laughs> we are the wind. We are the, the, the downy feathers and the, uh, the forgotten <laughs> compost of time. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Yeah, so it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. Over to you, Diane. I always love the nutty things you come up with at the beginning of the show. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. If you think that it's worth another listen, you're wrong. It's just, yeah. So you really want to hand it over to me when the big news of the week is yours? Well, I guess, well. Yeah, the book. The book is here. The book is... Right here. See? Right here. It's real. It's a tactile. It's a thing I can hold in my hand. And I can celebrate the lovely artwork that my daughter Alice did for the cover. 
And then I can read it sometime if I want to. <clears throat> but it's here. It has arrived. Is there more to say, Diane? No, let's move on. Well, on Wednesday, we were expecting it to arrive on Wednesday. Wednesday. But yes. then Bill has a message on the FedEx delivery that it has been delayed with no delivery date in... in well, yeah, it was some kind of a... It was in... Where was it? Cheney. Cheney, Washington. And it was a weather delay. I was like, what's going on in Cheney? Do they have a... You know, is there a big blizzard going on there? It's, you know. Did you look it up and see? No, no, because I was too upset. I was like, it's not coming today. So then I knew. I knew that it would arrive while I was at work on Thursday. While I was away from home, the books would would come. So I was in touch with you via text from the office when I was there on Thursday. Books? <laughs> and then you said, there's a FedEx truck outside. I heard a big thud outside our door. I'm going down to Jack. <laughs> and I was like, ah! <laughs> it was a big FedEx truck, too. So was I was in my meeting for work, mm. and I was thinking, okay, it's, it's almost over. It's almost over. Just finish up already so I can go down and check. And, uh,. And I saw that was, and then you were saying, don't open it. And I said, I would never open that box. It has to be you that opens it. And then I mentioned Laura Petrie. It's not going to be a Laura. Petrie. Petrie. It's not going to be a Laura Petrie moment. I'm not going to open up the the inflatable. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Inflatable boat and not be able to get it back in the box. She just wanted to peek and just happened just to see what it was. And then I don't know. For some reason, that that pulled, episode she, immediately came to my brain. I see. No. Yeah. So, yeah, we got books. I got another box full of product to store in the garage forever. It's not going to be stored oh, in the I garage. Know. I know. I know. But it looks, it's so real looking. It is a real book. It's real. You know, it's got printing on the spine it's got you know it's got a front cover it's got a back cover there's actual stuff inside on the pages and it doesn't look wonky or nothing i wanted to ask you to read one of your poems oh. please oh. okay because last night um well let me introduce yeah, 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 yeah. it yeah. first right Yesterday, I had a really great... uh, I've been having really wonderful conversations with my brother. Mm -hmm. And uh, since I've been taking Fridays off, I have had the the wonderful idea that I could call Gary early in the morning. Um, And we've had some very long um, conversations, and it's just been a really wonderful um, experience for me. And so, uh, while we were reading through your book, I mean, I was reading quite avidly. At one point, Bill starts talking to me, and I say, and he said, did you hear Shut up, I'm reading. He said, did you hear anything I said? And I said, I'm hearing what you're saying from here. I'm not hearing what you're saying to me here. But, uh, But Bill said, I really love the poem, Quiet Dream. And it just reminded me so much of my own experience of, of 
I think it's such a beautiful portrait of your your family of origin, you know. So, would you mind reading it? No, I won't mind reading it. Quiet Dream. It's on page 39 if you'd like to follow along in your hymnals. <laughs> <clears throat> Quiet Dream. My waking doesn't signal the fog to lift. In my dream, the perfect little rowboat. High tide, calm water, salt and cedar smells. A big rain cloud to the south near Anderson Island. A school of herring beneath a circle of gulls. The hum of a tug pulling its raft of fallen trees. Dad says we'll have a fire on the beach tonight. Hot dogs on sticks. Mom's chopped onions and a jar of relish. My job, as always, to find enough kindling. Tiny lizards dart across logs near the bank. Dad, with his guitar, plays two soft, mournful songs. Two kerosene lanterns guide us back to the cabin after dark. I know this quiet dream is a gift from the stars. The flicker of firelight on four related faces. The low of Dad's voice turning my soft heart into salt water. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you for writing it, and thank you for reading it. Well, it's, 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 it's interesting because it kind of jumps out at me because I think it's the most recent poem of all the poems in the book, you know, even more recent than the uh, other one that you got me to put in, you know. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that one, that well, because one. I remember when you had the dream that oh. actually brought that poem to be. What did I say about it? You told me that you had a dream that had that, you know, that you were dreaming that you were there, yeah. you know, in that, that situation with your family again. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that, and that it was, you were saying how much you enjoyed that dream and how lovely it was to awaken from it. In any event, we're very excited about the book, excited to send it out to folks, and yeah. we'll be doing so. Yeah. As soon as the envelopes come. Yes. yes. Always have to wait for the shipping products. Yes. Well, I, I have invested in some compostable envelopes. Because I thought, hey, I should do that. So those are supposed to come today, I think. So what else? We've been in the you've been in the midst of doing research. Yeah, that has been a pretty yeah, big it's been a big part, part of, of week. my week. Um so I was going to be doing a cover feature uh on the wonderful artist Tom Ogburn, yeah. who is a friend of mine, uh, most thankfully, through Facebook. I knew him a little bit way, way back in the day, but very little. Yeah. But we, as with many of these folks, I got to know him through Facebook. Right. He's an amazing artist, and he had done a lot of cover art for a lot of our Victory Music folks. For their albums. For their albums. Album covers. And just a little preview, if, if anybody is interested in the Ancient Victories publication. I was really interested in, in hearing from him about 
creating cover art and particularly what it feels like as a graphic artist to have the migration from that big LP mm -hmm. art down to pretty See. much nothing now, you know, <laughs> um, with the, and I've already had this marvelous interview that we were starting, but, uh, but all of a sudden uh, I was saying, you know, I need to have some of the images for this. Um, and he was not at a place where he could get to the storage that he, uh, he has temperature controlled storage for some of his art pieces. And he was saying, oh my gosh, I don't think I could get it in time. So I had to suddenly switch focus. Although, Tom, I am really looking forward to this article. Yeah, that'll be good. It's, uh, it's something that has always been of interest to me because, man, back in the day with the LPs that we used to get, the cover art was a major part. The cover art was, the, was of major importance. Many of the most memorable albums you see the cover yeah. in your head. Oh yeah. While you hear the music. Oh yeah. yeah. I I I have <laughs> I have that very clearly in my mind for a lot of uh, so I it seemed like such a perfect marriage of an illustrative art and the musical art and I I'm very interested to hear from somebody who is in that field right. how they feel about that sort of thing. Yeah. How the two things intersect. Right. Yeah. So I had uh, I had to quickly come up with another cover feature concept because when I first told Chris, ah, we can't do it in time, um, we can't get the art in time, which is important for this particular feature, and he was going, oh, no, you know. So I, I said, uh, well, let me think about it. And then I had this idea that randomly occurred to me, which was, that uh, something that I've thought of for a long time because I've been doing this first album series that I've mentioned on the on the show many times every time I'm writing one right. and in the past it's always been some important uh, album that really affected me at, for its music and the and where that music led me right. but I had always known that at some point I would do uh, the Victory Music first album, which was the Victory Music Review, because I was part of it. And it also, all of the music on that album, which was two albums actually, yeah. two LPs, had significant impact on my life. And so it was like the the grand whammy of... <laughs> Of all the the artists who were affecting me in the mid nineteen eighties, grand whammy, grand whammy. Wow. But I had something to do with the instigation of the whole project, and just through a random question, I asked Chris on the way home from an open mic one night, <laughs> and so I thought I'm going to do an article about this because it's so interesting to me how we did this thing and I had to research some of it because I didn't remember the the blow by blow neither Chris nor I did but um, fortunately we have this historical archive of yes. Victory Music Reviews right. and the article itself uh, laid out a lot of the dates it was very short in um, 
what do I want to say? Like, like skeletal, and yeah. it's it wasn't really fleshed out because back in those days we didn't have much room to write. You know, there was uh, so it was written by Chris, and but it had all the information I really needed about you know th- how it all plotted the out. Of events, yeah. And and to tell you the truth, I didn't even remember how fast that album had been produced. Um, I knew that we were just you know, trucking on the whole project, but it didn't seem at the time like, oh my God, we're fighting with a deadline. Although I'm sure it did at the time. I just don't have that memory in my mind. Was it, I mean, I wonder if part of the pressure for the dates or for getting it ready was folk life. No, the the pressure for the dates was this. Bumber shoot. No, it was uh, um, in the article. They said that A&R, manufacturing had had a special in july that was going to be uh letting victory afford this i otherwise we wouldn't have been able to afford it and what you got the got the stuff to him on the 28th of july or something yeah it was uh, something along that line and i was just thinking wow because (laughs) because Mm. in the article it was basically that it was within a month that the whole thing was from concept from concept to execution. from my little question to Chris in the car to the <laughs> to the album yeah. getting made right what's yeah. going to happen with all those those entries that were submitted to KZX and were not chosen couldn't we do something with that anyway um well, that's been an interesting because you're gathering stories from all the players from the, the album right it's going to be it's going to be great. Well, and now I'm thinking I'm going to have to have something in every issue now from uh, with Victory because the stories themselves have been so fascinating. And I haven't even contacted all the artists yet. Right. But one of the, the things that we did is we interviewed Jim Page about his participation in the album because even before you asked him, uh, it, so Bill and, and I Zoomed with Jim and even before you asked Jim, did you submit to KZX? I was sure that he had not. Because my recollection was that he submitted late. And the, the reason why he submitted late is he actually had to go into the studio. He wanted to record something unique that had not been on any, any of his LPs. Right. And he had already put out like five LPs by the time he was going to be on the Flying Fish label in 1986 when we were doing this. So so this was nothing to do with any impetus on his part to get on vinyl. He was already on vinyl. So, but that whole conversation, and that this is what I had hoped would happen, because I told the musicians that I have contacted, whatever you want to share with me, I'm going to archive the material in some way. And now I, there, are, there are questions that are coming up from these, uh, these, these small snippets of interviews that I'm having with some of the folks that have really astonished me. Like, uh, I assume that everybody other than Jim and baby Gramps, I, I thought that they had not submitted anything to KZX, but... Jim didn't even know a KZX existed. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't even know about the radio station. Certainly didn't know about the album project. But I found out from Heidi that she said, ah, 
I never submitted anything to that because I was just not in that in the group of people that they were attracted to. And so KZX had a particular agenda. They wanted songs that would match their format. They had A and R people doing the doing the more the jury uh, for selecting the songs and. And it was uh, it was about collecting music that they could play on their station, so that right. and they so it needed to fit their their format. And apparently, the Mud song didn't fit their format, Diane, for some but reason. It, it was I that conversation with Jim was amazing. Right, and you then know? Terry Lane wrote it, gave us his story, and that was that's the like and you that said that was another that's an article unto itself. It is an it, article unto itself, and I I hope so. What I'm hoping. I'm going to talk to Chris about it and say, hey, I, I think that these would be standalone ace. articles yeah. for a while. Yeah. And just because, man, the thing that I didn't anticipate, I guess, when I was writing this and, and just asking people, because I was asking them specific questions. I w- I'm not giving everybody the same set of questions. I wanted to see about things from different points of view, right. yeah. but kind of ask about things that might be be specific to a person because something that you had said to me I thought I want that in I want you to write that up so but every person had a slightly different that was 30, slant 35 years ago Diane. I know 35 years ago <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless yeah. the getting in contact with and I haven't even gotten in contact with some of the people that I have not been in contact with since victory music days, like David Roberts or, you know, some of these people that have, that I'm, we're just finding, we're, we've been trying to find their information. I'm going to include as much as I can, but I, it may be that I won't be able to, because it might make it too long. But, you know, you're inviting them to tell their story of that time. Yeah. And I think that would make an interesting little sidebar feature in future issues. Just, you know, victory review, personal perspectives or you know whatever when especially i mean like terry lane what he wrote to me i didn't oh. expect it to be God. so long it was great and it was not only wonderful information but he's just so funny and and his his ways of framing everything and talking about everything was just so and he's a great songwriter and performer too well and when I had my 50th birthday party that brought us all back together again, right. I was, I just saw Terry in, at some random thing. I, I was. You ran into him at a festival or something. I ran right? into him at this festival I went to with Kat. Yeah. And so I was finding all these people that, before my birthday and say, hey, come and do, you know, hey, I feel like, I feel like it was all laid out, you know, because. <laughs> Man, Terry was so wonderful that night. Yeah. Well, he's always good. He's just not, he's not somebody who's, you know, ever tried to make a living as a performer and, you know, because he's an attorney. Yeah. And that's... A trial lawyer. A trial lawyer. I've tried to picture different times. What would it be like, you know, superimpose Terry Lane over Perry Mason's (laughs) or something like that. I can see it though. I can see it because you know he's got a he has got a uh, a strong presence. It's kind of it's subdued, but I can see where it would be very effective in a courtroom. 
Well, I that applaud whole, you, Terry. I that whole you. time of victory music, I think, affected so many people the same way it affected us that we've talked about. Yeah. That it was really a special time in their lives. It was and, a very fertile time for everybody creatively and interactively and and even though there was this undercurrent that I always felt and maybe nobody else did I always felt like I'm probably the only one who even thinks about this because I'm just so you know absorbed in you know worry and fretting and whatever Um, it felt like you know on some level we were always competing with each other and like when you've got something coming up like the KZX album project where you're submitting music to try and be picked you know, you're competing with all your friends. And it's a it's a weird kind of state to be in. And the wonderful thing about your birthday party and everything that has come since is that we're all at an age where we don't have to even worry about that anymore. And the music is just the music and we do it because we love it. And and we interact with each other as, as friends and fellow lovers of music and, and, and can celebrate our shared history in a way that is, uh, that is really joyful you know it's just a pleasure because all that other stuff has been stripped away by time you know it's it's a nice place to be at in this community of musicians uh, and writers to uh, to be able to just um, share our stories from the past and em- embrace each other in the present kind of thing i don't know it's so interesting to be at this time and archiving things somewhat because in a sense you feel like does this matter to anybody you know and I always feel like it matters to the people it matters to you know I I may have already mentioned this on a previous show because I am constantly looking for information Mm -hmm. about esoteric stuff and a lot of times you're just delighted to find something on the web about it yeah for example I was looking up your dad one time as a cartooning weatherman, and I found this little site that talked about some of the cartooning weathermen of the the time. And really, yeah, I don't know that I could find it again. I sent it to you at the time, and it wasn't a a huge mention, but it was just talking about why it was important during that time and and everything. I because I I really wanted to know if your dad was on the on the web somewhere, hmm. and. So, esoteric stuff. How many people are looking up cartooning weathermen? I don't know, you know. But somebody is. Somebody cared about it, and somebody put it up. And I I find that uh, there's always some interest in in something, uh, by someone, in something that you're doing, I think. So, for me, this is... uh, Everything that I've written in the first album projects, they are just my tribute to the people that I cared about. But it's also just a delight to be writing these stories, remembering what these people did and having them remember. That has been uh, the treat. I keep thinking about how this all came from Stanley Greenthal's comment after I listened to Songs for the Journey, that he had not revisited that album in so long and that was a lovely thing for him to revisit and i feel like it ties everything up into this that that uh, alone makes it the whole thing worthwhile yeah because in a way 
I feel like the the passage of time that we're all going through, you know, it's all always, I don't think of it as a, uh, let's say, a straight line that just goes and you're, you're getting to some end point. I really do think of time as circular because you're constantly revisiting things from your past and you're constantly thinking ahead into the future and you're constantly living in the present and and it's uh i think at this age it's nice to kind of revisit some of the incidences in your past that had uh power and emotional impact yeah the arc of history is made up of little stories yeah small stories uh, individual stories that shape the path of somebody's life you know and I think that's something that's worth remembering and worth um, taking note of and memorializing in some kind of way. Creating an archive that may have been of no interest but to the people that are in it or have been involved in it. But, you know, those people have children and grandchildren mm -hmm. and great-grandchildren. and Someday they might be uh, doing a report in school and say, oh, no, do a report about my granddad. Yeah. Well, where are we going to find information? I know where to look. Well, in the, uh, I have found going back in the Victory Music archives to be just fascinating. I mean, just seeing the names, the the things that people were doing, and yeah. uh, because you were a part of that history, and you can remember a lot of what was happening during those times, and uh, and it was a time when we were all young and and trying to achieve something. And uh, now you know the the full arc, well, not the full arc because people are still going forward, right? But mm -hmm. but you still know the arc of the story to some degree of where everybody's how everybody's uh, come to terms with what they wanted to do, yeah. which is a, a wonderful story in itself, to my mind. It is. It is. So. Anyway, the music today, uh, we had talked about doing some of the Victory Music Review, but um, but I, I actually wanted to play a couple of songs from Jump Little Children yeah. because it came about from a conversation I had with Tom Ogburn. I had a very long conversation with him that delighted me, and, uh, and during the, the conversation he had spoken about how this one song by Jump Little Children, Cathedrals, had been so meaningful, meaningful for him right now. And he posted it on his site so that I could listen to it. And it was very powerful. It's, it's the kind of yearning, yearning for something spiritual. Something you know, bigger than yourself. Something bigger <laughs> than yourself, kind of a song that I just love. Yeah. You know, the that kind of feeling. And... But but when he was talking about it, he was saying Jump Little Children, and I was thinking, man, I know that name from somewhere. And I, uh, it was on a day where you were upstairs doing something. Oh, I think you were on your um, Zoom call, Zoom call yeah. with your buds. And I was uh, looking up the, this information about this group, and then I realized that they had done the, the song rains in asia which i absolutely loved when it came out and you had i am pretty darn sure that that was one of the songs you played on your last show on kozi uh -huh. 
that was my recollection is that that was where I heard it was uh, you playing it and I just love that song and you had chosen a specific list of songs for that uh, for that particular show right. so particularly wonderful songs for you right. I remember so I did look up a little bit about them because I don't know much. I knew that Tom had uh, said that they were, because he's from um, from the same stomping grounds as these folks in the Carolinas. Um, they are a American indie rock band that formed in 1991 in the city of Winston. 19 what? 1991. In the city of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Known for the unique sound, energetic live performances, and willingness to interact with fans, the band has a devoted following and is a fixture in Charleston, South Carolina music scene. And the thing that also interested me is they started, uh, when they were first formed, they were performing Irish music. But when uh, a couple of other people joined the lineup, they were busking on the corner of church and market streets in Charleston and their Irish influences began to blend with an alternative rock sound and that's when the public took notice. So I think that that's probably why I was so attracted to Rains in Asia because right. it did have that kind of Celtic feel. It does. Um, but also because of their unusual instruments that they are playing they have guitar accordion harmonica mandolin melodica tin whistle cello and guitar double bass drums i mean they play a lot of different instruments but i think on the cathedrals the cello is um really evident and, yeah the string section is great and so anyway i was really uh, thankful for tom's for tom's suggestion of this group but also to remember that song that I haven't thought of in a long time, yeah. so. Through the number gate, past the 
Love is all.